Welcome to Behind the Schemes, a discussion of how commerce, corruption, and counterfeit cures are destroying our planet's precious wildlife. This is Risha Kota Larson with Behind the Schemes, and in this episode, we're talking about the state of the world's frogs. One third of our planet's 7,000 amphibian species are on the verge of extinction. Habitat destruction, disease, legal and illegal trade are just a few of the dangers which are taking their toll on this specialized group of animals. Dr. Carrie Krieger, founder of Save the Frogs, gives us a detailed look at the threats that are impacting amphibian populations around the world. Your host today is Sarah Pappen. Most people don't really know too much about frogs and amphibians in general, yet they're one of the most threatened groups of animals on our planet, correct? Oh, that's right. They are. Uh, amphibians are having a lot of trouble, about one-third of the world's 7,000 amphibian species are on the verge of extinction. Can you give us a general overview of the current state of the world's frogs and the biggest threats impacting their populations today? Sure. Uh, What's happening is in the last 50 years, uh, the human population's been increasing rapidly and there's big conflict between humans and frogs, especially for habitat. So lowland areas around the world have very high population density and not a lot of protected land. So swamps are being drained, parking lots are going down on top of water bodies, forests get chopped down, and amphibians lose their breeding habitat. They don't have corridors to travel between their different, you know, ponds or streams where they live. They have to cross roads and get run over. So habitat's a big issue. Urbanization and developed countries and then deforestation in places of high biodiversity in the tropics is a huge problem. Some places in the tropics may have 50 or 60 different amphibian species there, but there's a big push for economic development, certainly in developing countries, and not a lot of environmental protection. So a lot of deforestation for timber, cattle ranching, uh, for oil, palm plantations, sugarcane plantations. And so that's the biggest problem that amphibians face around the world, but there's also lots of other threats. Uh, A a huge problem for amphibians that live in the mountains is the chytrid fungus, and the chytrid fungus has been traveling around the world for the last uh, 30 years uh, for certain, causing huge amounts of problems. It, It gets transported because humans ship about 100 million amphibians around the world each year for pets, food, bait, zoo and the laboratory trades with very little disease testing or quarantine. So what happens is that sick frogs get taken to other continents and then they escape or get set free or the water that they're held in gets flushed out into the environment. Then the chytrid fungus has waterborne zoospores and it does a really good job living anywhere where it's cool and moist. So certainly mountains tend to be cool and moist and the chytrid fungus has driven about 100 amphibian species to complete extinction in the last few decades. And most of those amphibian extinctions caused by the chytrid fungus are up in the mountains. So places like the Andes in South America or uh, the Cordillera in Central America, Sierra Nevadas here in California where I am have lots of problems. Uh, so, yeah, the chytrid fungus, it causes a potentially lethal skin disease 
called chytridiomycosis. Interesting. Well, habitat destruction and chytrid fungus, and there's plenty of other threats uh, if you'd like me to get into those as well. Yeah. Um, can you tell us first what Save the Frogs does? What What does the organization, um, what's its purpose, and, and what does it do? Okay, Save the Frogs, I founded in May of 2008. We're America's first and only public charity dedicated to protecting amphibians. So our mission is to protect amphibians and promote a society that respects and appreciates nature and wildlife. And we do a lot of environmental education. We do some advocacy as well. Our biggest event uh, that we do is coming up on April 28, 2012, the fourth annual Save the Frogs Day, which we conceived and coordinate. And we're expecting about 200 educational events in 30 countries. So Save the Frogs Day is all about getting people uh, wherever they are in the world, uh, going out in their community and doing something positive for amphibians, either raising awareness or, uh, you know, perhaps protesting if if there's somebody, you know, harming frogs by destroying habitat or eating frog legs or something like that. It's mainly an educational event, though. Uh, so that's our biggest thing. We also have campaigns uh, since many frogs are being eaten, and I'll discuss that with you in a bit, uh, to get frog legs out of restaurants and supermarkets and get schools to stop dissecting frogs, uh, get habitat protected for amphibians, and um, uh, also pesticides are a big problem. Uh, so we're working to get one of the really bad pesticides, atrazine, banned, uh, just so that we can get cleaner water uh, because every all the chemicals that we use eventually end up in the water, and that's where the amphibians are living and, breed, and breeding. And they've got permeable skin, so they absorb all that bad stuff. So uh, a lot of these pesticides are not good for humans. They're not good for frogs. So we're working hard to get rid of them. Well, that's great. That's great work you guys are doing. Um, you mentioned the frog leg trade. A lot of people aren't really aware that this is one of the major factors that are threatening amphibians today. How does the frog leg trade impact frog populations and about how many are consumed annually worldwide? The frog legs trade is very large. Uh, people all around the world, including in America, eat frogs. And it's been estimated that up to a billion frogs are taken out of the wild each year for use as food by humans. Uh, so that's uh, it's a huge number, and it's, it's unsustainable. I'm in California, and our famous California red-legged frog is actually uh, – it originally became endangered because the California gold miners in the 1800s nearly ate them to extinction. In, wow. in France, it's illegal to eat native frogs because they nearly ate their frogs to extinction, so they import all their frogs that they eat. They're the number one importer of frog legs. Uh, most of those are coming from Indonesia. Uh, Indonesians eat a lot of frogs and export them, and most of them are wild-caught. So that's a big problem. Bangladesh and India used to export lots of frogs, but the mosquito population started to increase, so the governments of those two countries banned the export of frogs for food. Very interesting. Um, what species of frog has been most impacted by the frog leg trade? It it varies everywhere in the world that you go, just based on, you know, what's the largest frog with the biggest legs that's easiest to catch. So, it, okay. you know, it's usually large frogs. 
in in India, uh, it's illegal to kill the Indian bullfrogs, but people still do. When the monsoons come, the Indian bullfrogs come out and people go out poaching them. So they have problems. Uh, but yeah, as I said, it just it just depends where in the world you are, and pe- people eat what's easy to catch, generally speaking. Okay, that's interesting. Um, obviously, the wild caught frogs in this trade directly impact the wild populations. But what are some of the problems that are posed by farming the frogs for this market? Yeah, several hundred million frogs each year are raised on frog farms for food, and the frog farms are really problematic because most of the farms these days are raising American bullfrogs, which are native to the eastern half of the USA and Canada. And it's the largest frog in North America. They're easily or relatively easily grown in aquaculture, which I guess is why the farms like to use them and because they have big legs. But because they're a big frog, they have a big mouth and frogs will eat anything that fits in their mouth, uh, any animal. They're carnivores. So what the bullfrogs do is sit there and just wait for any animal that'll fit in their mouth to come by. So they eat birds, bats, snakes, frogs, salamanders, and they tend to escape their frog farms and establish populations. So they're now, uh, they're now living in about 15 countries where they do not belong. And they're all throughout the Western United States as well, where they do not belong and they eat, lots of native wildlife, and that's a huge problem. And then the other issue is that the frog farms, they're raising the frogs in very crowded conditions. The frogs are crawling all over each other, and it's really good conditions for the spread of disease, such as chytridiomycosis, the disease that's caused by the chytrid fungus. So California, one study showed that uh, about 62% of the incoming live American bullfrogs into the state that they tested were infected by the chytrid fungus. And California is importing in about 3 million live American bullfrogs into the state each year. So we're probably importing in a million plus chytrid infected frogs into the state every year. And then, you know, the chytrid fungus, it gets out in the wild when sometimes religious groups will take frogs and set them free because they think they're doing a good thing buying it from the store that's going to sell it someone to eat them and then they just go release it in the wild but there goes it's chytrid fungus and then a lot of these frogs just escape and also they're certainly in a lot of places if the restaurant or market wants them live they're just sitting there in a bucket of water and what happens with the bucket of water someone dumps it outside and there goes the chytrid fungus wow that's really bad about how much of the frog lake trade is wild caught and how much is uh, farm raised. Yeah, I think it's uh, as I said about a bi- uh, up to a billion frogs taken from the wild, and then to the best of my knowledge, three or four hundred million frogs raised on farms. Wow, that's a big issue. Yeah, it it, it really is. And in America, the frog we we import about twenty percent of the world's frogs frog legs, and our frog leg consumption is on the rise and. If you start looking around, you'll notice frog legs appearing on menus of lots of different types of restaurants where you wouldn't expect them. Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that yet. And that was kind of my next question. What countries are the largest source of demand for frog legs and um, which countries are the biggest suppliers? Uh, France, Belgium, and USA are the top three importers of frog legs. Okay. And uh, Indonesia is certainly 
the top exporter. Uh, and they, you know, most of those frogs are wild caught. Places like China and Taiwan, Uruguay, Brazil all have lots of frog farms these days. Venezuela, I know um, they started farming frogs and now they've got uh, feral populations of bullfrogs living in the mountains carrying high rates of chytrid fungus. And those places like Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, they, they have, they've had huge problems with chytrid fungus killing, you know, driving their amphibian species to extinction. Jeez, that's very sad. Um, you mentioned that in the 1980s, India had to ban their frog exports because the overharvesting had resulted in an increase in mosquito populations, which obviously pose a disease risk to humans. Um, what other ways do does the frog trade actually affect humans? Well, the you know not necessarily not specific to the frog legs trade, but just the disappearance of frogs in general is problematic because frogs are really important in our ecosystems. They're important in the food web. Uh, frogs are eating ticks, flies, mosquitoes that spread bad diseases that we don't want. And uh, the frogs and other you know, frog salamanders, they're food for birds, fish, snakes, monkeys, dragonflies, beetles. Lots of animals eat frogs and tadpoles and their eggs. So when frogs disappear, lots of wildlife species have trouble. And then human medicine, a lot of our pharmaceuticals and medical advances are based on research done on amphibians. So when an amphibian species disappears, there goes any potential to benefit human health through the continued existence of that species. So, for example, salamanders can regenerate limbs, but we cannot. So that's something we have to learn from them. But, you know, every time a species goes extinct, then there goes, you know, some piece of knowledge that we could have used. So that's, that's uh, you know, a good reason to keep amphibians alive and also they're bioindicators. They're sensitive to environmental disturbance. They've got the thin permeable skin. They're amphibious, which means they live on land and water. So if anything goes wrong with the terrestrial or aquatic realms, they have problems and they're slow to move to, uh, if their forest gets chopped down or their swamp gets drained, they can't just fly off like a bird. So they're, they're an early indicator of environmental damage. That's, you know, giving us a warning when something's wrong. And also okay. fro frogs are cool. People like frogs. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's the number one reason most people are concerned about their disappearance because people like frogs and make the world a better and more interesting place. And it's, you know, our ethical responsibility to protect amphibian populations for, you know, the amphibian's sake and then for future humans. Absolutely. Are there any harmful effects of eating frogs for humans? I mean, do they carry any toxins like mercury or any kind of things like that that people could get sick from if they eat frogs? Yeah, there are occasional reports of salmonella. And I know that I've seen a list. I can't remember if it's from the USDA, but some U.S. government federal agency has a list on their website of companies that are in foreign countries that are not allowed to send us their frog legs due to health risks. But okay. gener generally speaking, that, that's not the main issue. Like even chytrid fungus, 
it can't survive at human body temperature. So, you know, if, if the frog legs were causing lots of diseases in humans, then that would cause humans to stop eating frogs and governments to take action. But that's not the case, which is, which makes it very difficult to control or reduce the frog legs trade because most humans have this inherent belief that they are fine to eat anything they want to eat. And businesses think, you know, restaurants have an inherent belief that they're able to sell whatever they want to sell so long as it's legal. True. Very true. What can ordinary people do to help your organization save the frogs? Uh, The first thing they should do is go look at our website, savethefrogs.com, and get educated about, you know, all things amphibian and what's happening to amphibians. Uh, And on our website, we have a how to help page with over 50 ways people can get involved. Uh, Definitely the number one thing is just improving people's own uh, ecological footprint. People's day-to-day actions affect the environment, and people can be more environmentally friendly by doing things like using rechargeable batteries or uh, using a, you know, their own reusable water bottle instead of buying bottled water, not eating frog legs, not using pesticides around their home, buying organic food, buying local food, uh, turning off the tap, things like that just to improve, just help the environment in general. Some of those specific to frogs, but uh, everything they, everything a person can think to just improve their own actions does add up because there's 7 billion people on the planet. So Absolutely. if everybody helped out a little bit, then it's 7 billion times the effect. That's uh, very true. Good point. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as helping save the frogs directly, we're always seeking volunteers. We have a page for, you know, a volunteers page on our website. People can have a look at spreading the word is really important because not many people know that amphibians are disappearing. And we have a spread the word page with flyers. People can, print out and other, you know, tips on how to get the word out, just talking to people's local teachers and environmental groups, telling them about Save the Frogs Day. We have a Save the Frogs art contest, Save the Frogs poetry contest. So there's lots of ways people can, you know, talk to local teachers, get them involved, get their students learning about frogs. And uh, we're also, we're a 501c3 public charity. We're dependent on people's donations. Most of our Revenues come from, uh, you know, relatively small donations from from the public, and people can become members of Save the Frogs. And uh, we have a wish list on our website. Uh, so there's lots of lots of ways. It's mo- most of what we uh, m- most of the ways to help are pretty easily found on our website. So people should check out SaveTheFrogs.com. Uh, our phone number is one eight seven 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 seventy five frogs. So people are welcome to call us and our email is contact at save the frogs.com. Great. And you said, um, save the frogs day is April 28th. And what can people do, um, to celebrate that? Yeah, they should go, uh, right on top of the save the frogs.com homepage. There's a link to the save the frogs day page, and it's got lots of ideas on ways people can organize their own event. And it's also got a listing of lots of events taking place around the world. So if there's something happening in your town, then, you know, contact the organizer and try to go to the event. Maybe they, maybe you can even volunteer at that event. 
Uh, otherwise, yeah, we have plenty of ideas on how people can set up their own event. We have free educational materials that we offer and uh, lots of ideas. You can go look at previous years. Uh, we've got web pages listing what people have done in the past, and that's the best way to come up with ideas uh, of something that interests you. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, and go Frogs. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. You've been listening to The State of the World's Frogs with Dr. Carrie Krieger of Save the Frogs. This is Risha Kota-Larsen with Behind the Schemes.